This is episode 29 with Jeet Banerjee. Welcome to the Apitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you bring any idea to fruition. Now, here's the guy who makes it all happen while keeping his day job, Justin Escar. What's up, Apitalizers? So glad to have you guys here again this week here on the Apitalize on Your Idea podcast. I'm your host, Justin Escar. For anyone who doesn't know, or if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for downloading this amazing podcast. Capitalizing Your Idea is all about entrepreneurship, being able to take your idea and make it come to fruition. And today's guest, Jeet Banerjee, has done just that. Jeet is 22 years old and is a serial entrepreneur. He has spoke at TEDx. He has all of these companies. He has apps and books and digital marketing and all these things that he's doing. And he's only 22. Only 22. It makes you really wonder, like, why aren't you doing this? You can. You totally can be. Uh, so we have Jeet on today. And Jeet talks a lot about his day-to-day and a couple of things that I've mentioned in the past, like figuring out your strengths and weaknesses and how he actually built up his companies and what he does you know he builds apps like i build apps so we're not going to compete it's cool don't worry about it but he talks about how uh his company finds what they're going to build next and he's really into building these small get them out quick apps where he can build like 10 or 15 of them and they're all making little pieces of money which is really what it's about if you ever look at any of the the richest people in the world, they don't only have one job. They diversify, and that's exactly what Jeet does. So Jeet talks about that a little bit today. So I'm really excited about today's interview with Jeet Banerjee. What's up, everybody? Super happy about today's guest. I have Jeet Banerjee on today, uh, entrepreneur, digital marketing consultant, TEDx speaker and author, all around. I don't know how this guy breathes or sleeps because he's got so much stuff going on. So happy to have him here. Jeet, what's up, dude? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be on here. Thanks, man. So, uh, G, you have you're you're an entrepreneur to the max, right? You have all these things going on. You have apps. You got books. You're a digital marketing consultant. Like, how how do you survive, dude? Like, how do you how do you get your day done? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like a combination of two things. It's uh, one thing is like just being very organized and prioritize like prioritizing what stuff needs to get done. So I think like it helps me to be really organized where every morning I wake up and instead of just jumping right into things, I kind of plan out my day and really figure out what things I need to work on and get done today. And uh, the second thing that's been like the best thing for me of being able to balance all these different things is that uh, I kind of early on understood what things I'm really good at and what things I'm not so good at. So I kind of filled in other people and other um, essentially even softwares that fill in my weaknesses. And that way I can just solely focus on the thing that I'm good at and just run with that while I have other people that are really strong at the things I'm weak at. And they're kind of able to run with that. And that's been able to obviously free up a lot of time for me while also being able to put together some amazing projects. It's so funny that you talk about this because um, I just posted a repost from Inc.com. They put up these things like the eight most – what was it like? T- the eight tips for hab- – habitual tips for a successful entrepreneur. And one of them was know your strengths and weaknesses. And I totally agree with that, man. Like if you, if, you're, if you know what you're good at, stick to what you're good at and find people or tools to fill in those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, 
when you when you're looking for people to fill those weaknesses in, are you are you looking inside? Are you looking higher? Are you doing outsourcing? How do you fill those weaknesses? Um, so it really depends on like the project. So um, it, if it's like something that's like more hands on, where I need to be literally sitting in the same office with another person working with them, like hands on, then it's something where I'll try to look for someone locally in um, Irvine, Orange County, or in like the cities that I live in. And then there's some other projects, like a lot of stuff that I do with apps or eBooks or digital products, where it's not that hands-on and it's kind of like a short-term project. Right. So usually when it's like a short-term project, like two weeks and then we're done with it and we can put it out into the market, those are the times I'll kind of outsource and hire uh, different people from India, Pakistan, Philippines, stuff like that. But when it's like a long-term project where it's ongoing for a year or two years or whatever, that's when I'll kind of try to find someone in-house and um, kind of someone locally that I can work on with. It will work on it with someone hands-on. Right. Where do you go to find some of your uh, the people that you're hiring in India and Pakistan? Your outsourced personnel. Where, where are you going to find some of these people? I want to see if we match up. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the first company I ever started was actually like a digital multimedia company where we were selling like websites and all this kind of stuff to uh for and making them for other other companies. Mm -hmm. And the big thing I did with that business was I created a back office in India. So I kind of have all these connections to different managers, different um employers, uh, different people that kind of uh, are constantly like. Um, shipping people out of like schools and helping them find jobs and stuff so I kind of have like a direct contact and a direct source there so that's like the biggest way I find a lot of my uh, developers designers stuff like that oh, nice. um, and another thing that I use if it's something really quick that I need and I don't have time to go through them is uh, Elance or Odesk or Guru or one of those sites oh, preferably favorites. my favorites yeah my favorites Elance though but yeah why Elance um just I don't know why I just found like the quality of like the developers it could just be even luck but like for whatever reason, I've had less problematic projects on Elance than I have on other sites. That's good, man. I mean, I, when I talk about stuff and I tell people to outsource, those are pretty much the same sites I tell them. Right? You got Guru, Odesk, Elance, uh, Freelancer. My mm -hmm. new favorite is AirPair, but that's just me. Um, oh. But that's awesome. All right, so let's let's move on. Let's talk about a little bit about digital marketing consultant. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of businesses, um, some that are online and some that are on are not online at all, that really don't have a good strategy behind how they can market their business and capitalize on the internet or any essentially anything using like technology. So I essentially kind of help them create like marketing plans, marketing funnels, marketing strategies, just different ways to help them get their business out there through new mediums that they may not have known about um, in the past. Okay, so let's say I'm a new entrepreneur. Uh, I want to create whatever the product is, whether it's mm -hmm. an app or a book or a physical product, whatever it is, what are some of the beginning steps you would, you would tell me or try to help me with, uh, in, in getting myself out there in your, in your digital marketing world? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the first step that we do is we kind of do a full analysis. So the first thing is, okay, let's say you're selling a car. Um, who's the ideal buyer for this car? And the first thing everyone wants to say is, oh, the world is going to buy my car. Well, that's absolutely um, false. So there, you got to you got to break it down by how old this person is, um, what ethnicity could this person be in, what what state or what city do they live in. So it's like really narrowing down and almost creating like a profile for your perfect um, customer. You're and once your you kind of yeah, exactly. Finding your niche and, and that's like step one because you can't sell to the world to begin with. You got to find one type of person and sell the, sell the product as much as you can to that one type of person. And then once you've kind of capitalized on that market, you kind of expand to the next niche and so forth. So that's like essentially step one for anyone that's uh, trying to market anything is really breaking down and figuring out the analysis of who your customer really is and where you can find them and what's the best way to target them. Okay. What's step two? 
And then, so once you figured that out, it's really testing whether your hypothesis, because at that point it's a hypothesis. This is what you essentially think or are assuming based on whatever knowledge you have. So it's all about testing it. So then you go out there and you, let's say, go out and pitch to 100 people that fit that profile perfectly. And then you try to see what, how, what the conversions are. If the conversions are good, then your hypothesis is going the right way. If your conversions are low and you feel like you're not selling as much as you want to or you think you can, then it's all about going back to these customers or potential customers and asking them, why not? Did I pick the wrong, wrong niche? Did I not position the product properly? Is the design not right? There's a hundred different questions that you can really like nail down. So you're trying to talk to your customers and essentially get all this valuable feedback that you can then use to go back to the drawing board and come up with hypothesis number two. So it's almost like a circle where you keep going in a loop until you've kind of figured out the right uh, recipe. And I like to look at it as like cooking a meal. Like the first time you might put too much salt, second time you might not have, um, a, you might have an ingredient missing, whatever the case is. But basically after five or six times when you make a recipe, you've been able to perfect it just after letting your friends and family try it and then giving you their feedback. You've got like the perfect recipe. So it's like the same thing that I look at when trying to create a marketing strategy for a new product. I like that. I like the recipe analogy. It makes sense. Um, so let's talk about convergence, right? So people, some people might not know, essentially when you're saying convergence, you're talking about if you're marketing to somebody and they're not buying, they're not, con you're not converting them into a customer. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, I talk to a hundred people and I'm trying to sell a hundred people something and three people end up buying it and 97 people say either not right now or I'm not interested. So then your conversion rate at that point is three out of a hundred, which is equal to 3%. 3%. But yeah. how, I mean, what are the likelihood that out of a hundred, all hundred are going to buy? Um, so the likelihood of that is like almost impossible like that never happens So it's really about like figuring out like okay What kind of business are you in so if I'm like in the car business and I get three out of a hundred people to buy a car for me That's amazing. That's like that's really good But now if I'm selling like a bag of Skittles and I only get three people out of a hundred people to buy it You're most likely gonna be upside down. That's so it's really well. It's because you're selling Skittles man. You need to sell yeah. M&Ms <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so exactly so it really comes down to like the margins that you have, the price of your product. And so it comes out of these variable factors essentially on like what is a good conversion rate because industry to industry, it really depends. Right. Now how, I mean, how are you even getting to this target? Like you figured out what your niche is, right? But how are mm -hmm. you even getting to these people? Like how am I supposed to, as an entrepreneur, if I figured out that my niche are, you know, a specific ethnicity and, and, and gender and age or whatever it is, how am I supposed to get in front of those people? Yeah, absolutely. So that's like one of the harder parts. So it's really figuring out, um, like, let's say you create a profile and it's like a 21-year-old person living in this city that has X amount of money and whatever the case is, right? So you've really got to figure out, like, the common areas where these types of people can be found. So like one way, one way that this can be done is you can kind of throw a small little event where you kind of incentivize the event and like every person that comes by, they get like a free t-shirt or something free. That's like one of the easiest ways to get a huge group of people in front of you just because people love free stuff. So that's like one way of doing it. And it really just comes down to like um, who your, who the target audience is and just figuring out like where they hang out at, what places um, are they, are they constantly getting pitched at? Um, even sometimes it can come down to like going to like a college or going to like a high school where, depending on who the target market is and just trying to put together like 30 to 100 people with using the help of a teacher or professor or um, an existing establishment, ex existing charity. Just like you really have to think outside the box on how you can get your demographic in front of you. So it's not always ads on Facebook. 
No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly recommend to people to try to get a face to face time or like at least like Skype time or something like that with your customers rather than just putting up an ad and hoping that they convert because especially for a brand new product, that's all that's pretty unrealistic. And if they don't convert, you're never going to really know why not. That's actually really good. That conversation. No, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about this. There's a good app face to face time. <laughs> That'd be like a good like app, like a Skype rip off, uh, you know, for salespeople. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty awesome. Face to face time, sell it into Salesforce and be done with it. All right, we're we're done business nerding out. Okay. So <laughs> so we have this so people get up there, they I mean, would you consider coming up with all these different ways of doing things like that? The new which is what the new hot term, which is growth hacking, like would you consider all of that this is in that genre or is this more standardized and that you've seen this work over and over again? Um, so I, I think it's a combination of both. Um, so like in terms of like growth hacking, I think it's definitely a way of, um, I wouldn't say necessarily it's growth hacking, but I think it's a way of hacking the way that you, um, like hacking the, the time period. So usually to do this from scratch and build it out and then try to sell it and then say, oh crap, it's not working. I got to go back and do it again and again. That time period takes a lot of time. It can take years up to, right? But when you don't build anything and you're essentially just testing hypothesis, uh, hypotheses, you can literally find out within weeks or months and go to the next one and go to the next one. So you're really cutting down the time period that it takes to learn from your customers. So in that sense, I don't know what category I'd really put it in, but I think it's more about like uh, just being more effective. I think it's just a more effective way. So I don't know if it's to the point of growth hacking, but it's also more effective than the standard method. Right. Now you're only 22, right? Yeah. All right. And you seem to obviously have a really good head on your shoulders for this. How did you figure this out? Like, what did you do wrong that you figured all this out that you had to do it right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So the second company that I ever launched was a startup called StatFuse.com, where we were essentially uh, giving students their chance of getting into college, analyzing their college applications, and we're kind of instantly doing this using software. So kind of trying to cut out the college consultants or the um, high school counselors or whatever the case was. So, um, so the biggest thing that we did essentially was uh, we came up with this idea. We thought it was the greatest idea in the world, and we put it out there in the market. And we didn't test a lot of things. So we assumed that because it was educational related, people would be willing to fork over hundreds of dollars. But that was definitely not the case. So we kind of made all these um, silly mistakes, so to speak. And once once the reality really hit us, and we're like fifteen thousand dollars each in debt. It was like, okay, now how do we fix this or can this be fixed? So that's when we started reaching out to uh, different um, uh, entrepreneurs, accelerator programs, incubation programs in our area. And we were thank lucky enough to get mentored by a local, a couple of local entrepreneurs that, had, uh, that were running an accelerator program in our area. And they kind of started teaching us a lot of these things and kind of uh, working with us on how to kind of do it the right way. And that from there and from my own like testing in my own startups, I've kind of been able to build this like meshed up combination of what I've found to work. That's pretty awesome, man. So yeah. you got to speak at, you're, you're probably one of the youngest people that I know that got to speak at TED. Mm -hmm. How'd that go? Um, so the whole experience was absolutely amazing because I had done a speaking gigs prior to TED, like uh, motivational speeches, a couple things that like online marketing conferences, stuff like that. But I've never been through something so rigorous and intensive as TED. Like uh, if people might think that you just go up on TED and you deliver your speech in 10 minutes and you're done. 
but it's definitely not like that. The process starts like months before you have like uh, a coach that's constantly working with you. You're perfecting every word, every movement, every um, even like point of direction where you look at in your speech before you ever deliver it. So like it's months of rigorous practice and I put in a ton of hours. So I think that's the one thing that people don't really know about Ted, but that is definitely like it, it's it's some serious stuff. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that either. I was just like, I was always expecting to just kind of go up there and just kind of like do my thing and just that'd be the end of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought too and I was hoping for that, but it was definitely nothing like that. So what, do uh, you have any good projects coming down the line? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, one, of the, so one of the companies that I run right now is called Go Visionary and uh, what we do with this company is we essentially um, build out mass publish um, ebooks, digital products, and mobile applications. So um, then we do this in-house. So if like a client or someone comes up to us and is like, hey, yo, can you build this app for me? We're going to be like, no, that's, that's not what we do. It's just taking our own creative ideas and putting them out there and uh, using like uh, we try to work all our ideas based on passive income. So um, some of the app ideas that we're working on that we're really excited about right now is um, with the new, obviously with the new releases of the iOS, uh, there's a lot of like stuff with like keyboards and stuff like that that you can alter. Mm -hmm. So really working on creating some really cool themed keyboard apps that can really um, that you can customize on your phone, some even that you can customize and create your own keyboards on. So we're really working on some of these kinds of apps that we think will really take off. So you're working on more like you're like you're you're looking at smaller, more mass apps. If you can get if you can bang out let's say five or ten ninety nine cent apps and just kind of let them run so that we don't have to worry about updates and doing a whole lot of things as opposed to let's say a bigger app that would involve a lot of complication and, and possible updates and a lot of graphics and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. So we're not trying to build like the next Candy Crush, but um, like if we're doing a game app idea, like a great example to use would be like a Flappy Bird type of app. Right? Right. There are different apps similar to that that we've worked on and done, which is something quick, something you can put up in the market, stuff like that. So in terms of that, we've done, um, we've done almost, we're almost at about 100 apps now that we've done in almost about 14 months of time that we've worked. So we just kind of identify and look for different niches, different different markets of in the app store that are bound to explode or doing really well and we just kind of put our own twist to it create our own apps in those niches and just kind of run with it and then um, worst case if an app doesn't work it doesn't work and then if it works it's all kind of done passively where we're not spending hours and hours and thousands of dollars marketing it it's just all kind of running organically so that's kind well, of our approach let's talk about that let's talk about passive income because i love the concept of passive income <laughs> the idea that if you have apps or books out there you could be doing your day job or traveling or whatever, and it's making money for you. So, like, define, though, how passive your passive is. Because some people don't get it. Some people think, like, they don't do anything. And then there's some people who think they got to put a couple hours in. Like, really define passive for them. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I kind of look at passive income is um, passive income for me isn't like, okay, doing a bunch of work today and then I'm um, hoping in like three months I have like $3,000 a month coming in and then just kind of dropping everything and just going out on a beach and sipping pina coladas every day. So that's not my type of like idea of passive income. My type idea of passive income is, okay, let's say I do uh, five hours of work today and that five hours of work gets me $100. Then tomorrow I want to do another five hours of work, but rather than making the same $100 where I'm trading hours for dollars, I'm making an additional $100, including the $100 I made yesterday, so I'm at $200 now. So that's kind of the way I look at passive income, and the way it's broken down within my business is we're consistently making apps. So we could have made 20 apps, 
and just stopped and gone to the beach and just enjoyed whatever money we were making. But for us, it was more than that. It was like, okay, we're going to keep this process going. But our, our goal is that the work that we did tomorrow or yesterday is still getting us paid while the work we do today is just kind of adding on top of it. So that's the way that we kind of look at passive income. That's awesome. Now, you have an entire team, obviously. And is it just that you guys every day someone comes in and goes, I have a new idea for a little cheapy app or you guys have brainstorming sessions? Because a lot of people come up to me and they go, I have an idea for an app. And sometimes it's it's utter horrible and sometimes it's genius. But uh you know, like, how do you how do you keep the creative juices flowing inside of your company? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like a mixture of two things. Like the biggest thing that we do, like the our number one model for finding apps, is we kind of go through the app store, look at what's trending, look at the market. So it's not really like a guessing game. It's more like understanding what's happening in the market. So like for example, with the color keyboard stuff, that market completely exploded like in the last few months, right? There's been like five, six apps in the top hundred or whatever, and the, we kind of noticed some trends, like some types of some types of apps. Um, these apps are getting downloaded like crazy, but the reviews on them were horrible, where people are complaining and that's it's like free feedback for us where it kind of goes back to what I was talking about understanding your customers and what they want so we were kind of we were able to go through the app store and just read review after review after review and kind of like create like a table of what people like what people don't like and how these apps can be improved and how we can kind of attack this market so it's kind of like a formula with a strategy that we use for like 90 to 95 percent of the apps that we work on it's really going through the app store studying the app store uh, relentlessly like we probably spend hours every day studying the app store the movements why something is successful why something is successful but still getting bad reviews and how that can be improved and those are essentially the apps that we go after is like improving those apps that are already proven in the market and there's a demand for them already so that's kind of how our ninety percent of our app strategy comes together, and then the other five to ten percent are like more like passion projects. So if someone in the team is really passionate about like building something or doing that, and we've got some free and extra time, we'll just be like, all right, let's run with it. So it's kind of like a mixture of the two, but mainly we go with that strategy. That's awesome. Well, I, I know your time is is very valuable, so I don't I don't want to keep you. Just uh, real last question is where can people find you online? Uh, so I have a personal website called jeetbanerjee.com, which is spelled J-E-E-T-B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. And that has contact information, uh, my social medias, about me, my blog, and all that good stuff. Awesome. Jeet, thanks so much, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. See what I tell you guys. Jeet knows what he's talking about. He mentioned one thing that I think was really interesting, which is the uh, what I call the rinse and repeat method, where he found his market he tests the hypothesis and it works. If it converts, you know, do it again. Or if it doesn't work, do it again with a modification. And, and you just keep doing this in, in cycles. And really, that's that's what you should be doing for all of your products, right? So if you're, if you're hitting up a market and it's not working the way you want to work, find out why. And then change a couple small things and hit them again. And just keep circling until it finally just picks up and it's huge. Then do the next thing and cycle it through again. A lot of times it's called A-B testing, but that's really when you're testing two separate things at the same time. This is more test it. Does it work? Yes. Do it harder. Does it work? No. Tweak it. Try again. Does it work the first time? No. Tweak it. Try again. Then get it and kill it to, until you finally can crush it and make hopefully millions of dollars, which then you'll share with all your friends and family and me. Haha. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, G, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. I 
I love all of you. I love all my listeners. I love the questions I get. If you do have a question about the show or about how to capitalize or how to get your ideas made, hit me up, justin at justinescar.com. Check out the blog at capitalizeonyouridea.com. Follow me on Twitter at justinescar.com. I mean, literally just Google my name. You'll find me, I promise. And thanks so much for being here. Please, if you guys like the episode, leave a review in the iTunes store. Love when you guys leave reviews there really makes me happy. So that's it for this week, and we'll see you guys next week on Apple Eyes on Your Idea, the podcast. Mm-hmm.